Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of Daily Musings. I am Alicia, your host, and today I wanted to continue a conversation that I started yesterday about a Charlotte Mason book that I've been reading. And just to give you a little bit of a precursor, so Charlotte Mason was a childhood educator in the early 1900s in Britain, and she uh, had a lot of really great ideas that I think are still totally relevant. And even um, like most of her ideas are timeless, and I feel are applicable, even in the modern world, which you don't always get when you're reading anything about education or science or things like that from the past. So yesterday, I discussed some aspects of developing the intellect and some hindrances to doing so. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the mind. So uh, just to back up a little bit, her fourth book, Ourselves, is basically a character development book. It talks about um, developing like the vices and virtues of the mind, the body, the spirit, and the heart. And um, we're talking about the mind right now. And I feel like this was a particularly rich area of the book that I, I wanted to share with you. So I want to talk a little bit about the imagination and about reason, which are two very important intellectual capacities that um, have their, their upsides and downsides. And then I want to talk about what she labels the, the desires. Um, so different intellectual desires and the good that they can create, but also the, the downside. So um, there's always a double side, double-sided coin here, um, two sides to the coin. What am I trying to say? Um, but let's start by discussing the imagination, which we all know the imagination is um, critical to intellectual development because imagination implies uh, original thought. It implies exploring your own mind and um, imagining things in, in color and detail to allow you to live your ideas. So for example, if you're listening to um, maybe like an, an audiobook, a history audiobook, then you maybe your imagination is allowing you to imagine what it felt like to be that particular person in history. What it, um, what it might have liked, what, have, what it might have been like to um, have those experiences and, and things like that. You're allowing yourself to enter into someone else's world. So without imagination, um, there, I feel like could really be no empathy because imagination is the doorway to other people's worlds. Very, very important for intellectual development. And I wanted to talk about the two, the two demons of, of um, imagination. So the two things that can make the imagination uh, go, go wrong, go sour, go south. So those two things are the, uh, the self. So turning the imagination too much on yourself and uh, sin. So uh, which is an interesting one as well. So let's start by talking about self. So an example of imagination turned inward towards the self is like, if you're, um, you know, if you remember being a kid, if you had these kinds of fantasies, you know, dreaming about being a princess or, or something, and you have this glorious life and this glorious story. Um, when I was a kid, I used to dream, um, I'm talking like when I was like 12, maybe like around that age, I used to go to bed every night and I would fantasize about being this like famous musician up on stage in front of my adoring audience. And then there's always a love story and stuff thrown in there where there's like uh, near tragedy, but disaster was averted. Uh, my knight in shining armor saved the day, that kind of stuff, you know, this like standard, standard, um, standard daydreams. There's nothing that's, that's so wrong about having these fantasies, these flights of fantasies about all the wonderful things that you could imagine for yourself. But life is made altogether up of doing, not dreaming. So um, it, this is this is where, like, it's nice to dream, but 
if you're going to become very dissatisfied if you live only in your dreams. There's a um, little side note. I had a, in one of the songs on my new album that I wrote that I have not released yet, uh, uh, how does it, I, I wanted to bring up like a, um, dreams are so much easier to live in. I guess that's the sentiment in, in the, the song that I feel like is being applied here. It's very easy to have these nice fantasies. But what can happen is if you have these nice fantasies, your your real life, um, you know, the people in your life are going to be dissatisfying to you. The, the place you live is going to be dissatisfying to you. You're going to find um, issues with all kinds of things and you're going to come up against reality in a way where, where you're very offended. Why is my lot in life like this? Why don't good things happen to me. Um, it's a very woe is I uh, place to be in if you turn your imagination too much in the self. This is like the, my parents will never understand me. And when doing even normal things are suddenly perceived as being beneath you. So, you know, going going for a walk or going out to, to see your friends doing something mundane all ends up being rather a nuisance because it's it doesn't, um, it, you know, you're, you're better than that. You have higher ambitions and there's more beautiful things for you that, that you can imagine. It basically, you end up in the situation where nothing can please you. Imagination is just making, um, in this case, pleasure houses for yourself. So this is where um, her advice, and I quite like this, take yourself by the shoulders, yourself. Um, look yourself full in the face and laugh at him because he's a little ridiculous. It's like you could call it the self, you could call it the ego, but this character who thinks so much of himself that or herself that uh, she should be living in palaces and life should be this and life should be that. Um, this is just this is <laughs> this is someone to laugh at. This is someone to not take quite so seriously. And life will be a lot more enjoyable as a result. So the other demon of imagination is sin. So my best explanation for for what this would mean, it's why I stopped watching the news um, generally. So lately over the last few months, I've been reading The Economist and that's basically my news source because I feel like it's, I, I like being up to date with what's happening in the world. I feel like it's well-rounded. It's pretty, um, pretty interesting. It's well-written and it doesn't, uh, it does talk about problems in the world, but when I when I read The Economist, I feel informed. I don't feel like doom and gloom. So what happens with news and with other types of media that we consume that are very violent and dark in nature is that it kind of... Um, I had this experience when I was much younger, when I was maybe 18, 19, 20, when I went through quite a rough patch of anxiety. Actually, one of the things that helped a little bit was stopping consuming any type of media that was really dark. Um, that was, you know, terrible things happening to people, uh, things that were gruesome or, you know, hearing about terrible crimes. When you put these things in your imagination, you put these um, really dark, terrible images in your imagination, then... Um, how can that be? How can that be healthy for you? I find the more kind of input that you receive that's dark and, and negative, and uh, like basically the seedy underbelly of the world, the more you consume that type of content, the more that kind of sticks in your imagination. So that when you look at things, um, in you know you see someone walking down the street or like any any normal mundane experience tends to be filtered through this uh, rather dark lens where you perceive things in more of a suspicious manner and your mind is just not like a like a nice place to be if you're not consuming all this negative input the mind can be like a brighter more positive place and since there is pain and hardship in the world that is 
undeniable. Why would you then also make your head a place of pain and hardship if you can avoid it just by not consuming media that is, you know, full of, you know, uh, like gruesomeness. So uh, basically the, the remedy to this is just to just try to stop those mental habits just think about something else. And I know that sounds very blase and simple. If you're if you're thinking about like the, the worst case scenario, like this is what happens to me sometimes. I'll just go down this dark road of like, oh my goodness, what if COVID this and then this terrible thing happened? And then I, I go off on this like very dark, gruesome imagination train, like visualizing all the bad things that could happen. And uh, you just have to interrupt that thought, right? Interrupt it with something that you really want to think about, something that's exciting or interesting, like, um, maybe, I don't know what, what's interesting, uh, during COVID cause it's not like there's any upcoming activities, maybe, oh man, I really want to buy that shirt or <laughs> just something, something to take your mind off it. Because the, the more you interrupt negative thought patterns, um, the more you are breaking the habit of negative thought patterns. So, um, easily said, more difficult to execute. So imagination, that's one aspect of intellect. Another obvious aspect of intellect, the one that we tend to more obviously associate with intellect is reason. Reason is like a lawyer. So um, reason is a very good servant, but a terrible master, because the thing about reason is it, it wants to prove itself true. So you can have two people who are super intelligent and come to opposite conclusions. So reason doesn't necessarily lead you. And it's not even that one person is less reasonable than the other. It's just that our, our reason tends to be self-motivated. So whatever end we have in mind, um, we try to reason our way to that end. Uh, it, it, so one of the, the downsides of, of reason, because it's obviously a very important uh, faculty to have, is that it can very easily just lead us to the conclusions that we want to have. We want to, we're like a lawyer to ourselves. We want to prove our own point, the thing that we resonate with. Um, so, but reasoning at the same time can be a virtue. So if you decide to help out someone who is sick and helpless, uh, care for someone who's, uh, who's in a lot of trouble, um, you know, community service, stuff like that. Reason is a, an agent in that because you think, okay, well, I have this privilege and these people don't, and I have this time that I can devote to helping other people with less privilege. That's a conclusion come to come to by, by reason. So it, it can lead us, and obviously with mathematics and things like that, um, I hardly need to touch on that. Like all invention, if you just look around your room, everything in your reality is the result of reasoning. And everything that we know to be common sense was once reasoned out. Uh, all of this makes reason seem very fabulously important to us. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like our religion at this point. Um, but again, good and sensible, sensible people will come to opposite conclusions. And people try to convince each other of, of arguments that each person's reason has accepted to be true. And because of this, reason is not infallible. And fixed conclusions may not necessarily be the right uh, conclusions. So anyway, the idea with reason is that it must be used to a good person. So for example, a grumpy person, like someone who just has a miserable outlook on life, are able to justify their grumpiness. Um, they're able to say, well, this is why the world sucks. Um, a thief is able to justify their crimes. Like I, I had to steal this because of blah, 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 blah. They're like anyone who does a terrible thing is able to reason out of it. Um, or even just the, like a, a petty or a nuisance type thing. You can find a re you can make a reason for anything. So it's, it's one of those things used for good, not for evil. 
So anyway, the final thing that I want to talk about today are the uh, desires that these are the things that that motivate us to learn, basically. Um, so for for uh, we have a few. So I want to talk about the desire of approbation, desire of excelling, of wealth, of power, of society, and finally of knowledge. So the desire of approbation is the, the when you conquer a, a math equation and you get to the end, you're like, yes, I did it. When you climb to the top of a hill, um, this is the this is when you conquer idleness and you have the habit of steady work to reach some kind of end. So this is this is what pushes us to to learn things a lot of the time because we have our sight on the finish line like a like a finished math problem or a hill climbed. Um, and this will push us to steady and consistent effort. So the demon of this the downside is is vanity. This is when you can't be happy without other people's approval and can lead to you showing off and seeking fame, um, where your actions taken, your steady actions climbing that hill is just for the sake of winning notice from others. You finish that math problem because you know that your parents are going to praise you for it. You're, and in this case, you're always wondering what other people think um, think of you. And when you're so concerned about whether what other people think of you, that's a route to losing self-respect. So then we have the desire of excelling. So the, the desire to do really, really good work spurs us to effort when we're lazy. So that's obviously a really important uh, desire that all of us have. Now, there are two dark sides to this. One of them is thinking too much about being better than other people. So this is the competitive impulse, um, prizes and places and things like that. This has been a really big problem in my life. I have a pretty strong desire to be good at the things that I do, but it definitely tips over into competitiveness such that if I lose a game, I'll cry. You know, that's, that's not an unusual thing to have happened in the past. So just as another example, like history isn't um, like someone who is, is taking the dark side of excelling, like they might not find uh, learning about history useful or interesting for itself just because they think it's cool, but they study it just to get ahead of someone else. Um, and the other dark side of this is that you can choose to excel in unworthy things. So th this reminds me of like frat boys who were like, I can drink way more beer than you. And then, you know, it's like a, like a tough thing. It's like, is that really, is that really the crown that you want to wear? Like drinking champion, congratulations. Um, so those are the, the two dark sides of excelling to keep in check. Desire for wealth. So wealth is great. I mean, we all want to be able to tend to our own needs. So it's, it's very useful. Another form of wealth that you can think of, um, as opposed to just accumulating money is accumulating a collection of something. So this is the person who collects books or stamps. Um, and this is all well and healthy. But the, the demon of this one, and this might be obvious is selfishness. So when the desire for wealth fills your whole life, it ends up becoming avarice. Uh, but you can be generous to other people if you build wealth for yourself, and it isn't your sole focus. So just because you accumulate a lot of wealth doesn't mean you're going to tip over into selfishness by default. It allows you the opportunity to be more uh, generous, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes, um, you know, as we accrue wealth, we hoard it more, we become more miserly. Another ha hazard is worthless wealth. So this is when you um, buy that thing that you really don't care about or need because, um, I don't know, maybe everyone else is doing it or um, maybe you, you think it's cool, but you have no connection to it. It's like um, having... Uh, like a nice collection of China, if that's your thing versus just like, I don't know, buying any random thing just because you can, that doesn't have any worth or value to you at all. It's just, it's just a thing to accumulate. Um, it's just stuff. So then we have the desire of power. So if you're, 
if you're good natured and kind, like if you're just a decent person, you can use power to keep other people happy and engaged. This is this is when you're um, somewhat of influence who inspires people. This is like the the positive side of power is the power to inspire, to motivate, um, to get other people moving. It, it can also give us the chance to serve. Uh, so ambition. Uh, I, okay, so let me back up a little bit. If you want to lead others and you desire power, then you have to be worthy of being a leader. So you you have to build up those character traits within yourself that other people find um, worth following. So this is where um, there's some benefits to desiring power because it can lead to character growth as you try to um, be a productive leader. But the, the downside is when you try to manage others and maneuver power into your own hands for its own sake, um, it's not power isn't best when it takes the lead, but power is best when it's given to you, uh, when it's earned, when it's deserved, not to be taken and uh, used and abused at your own discretion. Then we have the desire of society. And this is just, I mean, we love being around other people. We learn from other people. This is obviously something that we desire and increases our intellectual capacity. But the danger is that if you're thinking that someone doesn't have something to offer. So this is like when um, maybe you're at a dinner party and the person who you're sitting beside is maybe seeming really boring to you. You're like, ah, this person is just like a I don't know, they don't have anything to offer or contribute. You're prejudging someone, but everything, everyone has someone that has something that you can learn from. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how boring or interesting or fabulous or non-fabulous you think they are. Everyone can be interesting to talk to if you only find the thing that you can bring out of them. Uh, it, we have to have the gift to get something out of other people. And then, uh, I mean, th there's just a treasure trove of, of things that we can learn from other people if only we give them the chance. Uh, this is like, uh, there was a quote I read somewhere, something about um, your, your best friend can be Plato if only you let him, something like that. So another d danger of the desire of society is the desire of flattery. So this is where you do something like say, make friends who you think are like not as good looking as you just to make yourself feel better looking. Um, another uh, way is to be so engaged in talking about just pointless things like like mindless chatter and gossip that you end up doing nothing useful. You're just going to one person's house, then the next, and you're talking to people all day. You're enjoying society, but not in any kind of meaningful way. The thing to do here is to listen with all of your mind, because this is an act of delicate courtesy, which draws the best out of even people you think are dull. It's all about listening. So, and also expanding your circle, not just talking to your buddies, your chums, chums, but um, being open to all kinds of people's uh, perspectives on life. And finally, and I feel like this is getting into a long uh, tangent, so hopefully you've stuck with me and I appreciate you doing so, is the desire for knowledge, which obviously is related to the intellect. Curiosity. Um, I, I value curiosity. Curiosity gets me um, gets me into a new project, uh, gets me doing things, but it can be fickle. So curiosity is easily satisfied to know something about a matter, but curiosity doesn't really need to know it deeply. Curiosity is happy to just flip from one interest to the next. It's like it's like the desire for junk food. It's like, ooh, I'll try a little bit of this. Oh, I want to try a little bit of that, but it's not um, it's not going to nourish you unless you uh, allow um, allow it to lead you into depth. So he who delights in knowledge, not for the sake of showing off and not for the sake of excelling or surpassing others, but just because um, 
the knowledge itself is so worthy to be loved. This person cannot be unhappy. This is more or less a, a quote from the book. The idea is just that um, let let our curiosity lead us into depth. Um, this isn't uh, when we desire knowledge. If we want to really actually gain knowledge, we have to uh, allow our curiosity to sink into something and not just flip from one thing to the next. Um, and also just loving knowledge for its own sake, not for any social reasons, not for um, competitive reasons, but just because knowledge is, is beautiful and precious and interesting and fun. It, it's one of the things that makes life so worth living, like one of many. Uh, it would be hard to be unhappy with this kind of mindset. So anyway, those are the thoughts for today. I'll probably continue sharing sentiments from this book as the week progresses. Um, this ended up being quite long, like I said, uh, maybe I'll keep the next one a little bit shorter, but hopefully you've had fun. I, I have a lot of fun exploring Charlotte Mason's ideas and um, I've been really enjoying deep diving her, her books and I love being able to talk about them with you. So thank you for hanging out with me and I'll catch up with you later.